0: Money FM 89.3, the best of Saturday mornings. Wide World on Money FM
1: 89.3. Well, those of you who are motorheads such as myself, you will be impressed and interested to know about the latest supercar launched in Singapore yesterday, the McLaren 750S. I can't even begin to get into all the statistics and details on it, other than the fact that it will get you from 100, uh, 0 to 100 in 2.8 seconds, uh, should you need to get out of Pungol really quickly uh, today and in the future. Uh, joining us to talk more about not only the, the 750, but also the new age of hybrid sports cars, uh, including McLaren's, uh, is Paul Harris, the Managing Director at McLaren for APAC and China. Paul, great to have you with us on Money FM. Thanks, Glenn. Great to be. Yeah. So exciting uh, launch day! We'll just start with the 750s because that's the the big news for you. Uh, it is a car like like um, no other from McLaren in recent years. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's, uh, it's it's the latest
2: evolution we have of our V8 um, super sports car. Um, highly interested, highly lightweight. Very very core to the McLaren DNA is this sort of lightweight technology and uh, being able to deliver on the ultimate promise remember mclaren is a brand that's built around uh, a kiwi called uh, bruce mclaren and bruce had sort of like racing and engineering at his heart and um he was very much a a a very sort of small operation and he became very successful very very young um you know he, he won le mans he was the youngest formula one driver of that time to win a formula one race at 22 years old so he had many 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 achievements and um the automotive division really has carried through that whole uh, principle of uh, lightweight, you know, super high performance uh, sports cars, and the mm-hmm. 750s is the very latest uh, iteration of that. We, we use the term uh, benchmarks beaten. Um, you mentioned one benchmark, which is a uh, naught to a hundred time, and you, you know where it's safe to do so at that sort of speed is is one thing, but then it has uh, you know other attributes as well, like it's uh, it, it's overriding torque uh, capability in excess of 800 newton meters. Um, what does that mean for the layman like me it basically it basically means you have a you know a a huge amount of usable power very low down in the rev range so you have it it, it's a combination of of those factors so uh, torque is probably a a better, better way of determining what I would call usable power mm. so how does it actually you know use, you know, use using itself in a way and it's often used in petrol engines it's not so frequently referred to in in uh, electric cars particularly mm. because that you know they are very
1: talky by their very nature because of, a, of the way an electric motor mm. o- operates so Neil just by comparison the usable power in your car is almost zero compared to this one which is a gazillion. Yeah, my carbon emissions are better
0: though. <laughs> I'll just say it. But uh, yeah, and this car's available in Singapore to to buy.
2: Yeah, of course. Seven Fifty S will be arriving in Singapore late, later on this year. Neil. Uh, yeah. and uh, it's certainly a step up from your who Matiz
0: oh. earlier this morning. Still have nightmares about that car.
2: And you said there is a lot of interest in the car already. Yeah, I mean we have a. I mean, there's, it's, McLaren's like a family. It's uh, very much a, a you know a, a brand where when you come into it, you know you very much understand it and you understand what you, you know what you are buying into. I wouldn't say it's an everyday usable car you know mm. it is but many people don't use it every day they use it for you know um enjoyment of the weekend for example and you know we quite often see that you know in various places around the island um so the community are very active and you know very um you know committed so we had a lot of uh, the community come and some new uh, new people through and because formula one's here this weekend mm. a lot of people from the whole region so a number of australians um some people from um uh, vietnam were here as well that i, that I know so it's, it was a very great day yesterday to uh, launch a new McLaren. It's very rare to do that and mm. uh, an honour. So,
0: so, how does it, can yeah. I just add, how does it work? So, buyers come to you here, this is the base for McLaren for the region, and then you ship it from here?
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean. Okay, let's go back right the way back to basics. So, in, in Woking, in in the UK, just outside the M25, is mm-hmm. where the home of McLaren is, and there the Formula One team are based, as alongside the automotive division as well. So, a, a, a series of development engineers and designers who make the cars, and then we ship them from there. We have a number of regions. Uh, we have uh, Europe and the Middle East. We have the US, and clearly we have Asia. Uh, the main hub for Asia is Singapore, but we also have uh, an operation in China, and we have an operation in Japan in Tokyo as well. So we're spread sort of three ways, but our main our main functional
1: operation with a number of back office
2: functions, including finance, for example, is based in Singapore. Yeah. We're talking with Paul
1: Harris, the managing director of McLaren for APAC and China. And Paul, you know, for those of us who who don't have a supercar uh, and probably will likely not be able to uh, to have one in the near future, if ever, uh, you know the 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 obvious question for singapore always comes up okay so where do you actually get a chance to use these fantastic cars mm. of course we know lots of folks drive across the causeway and go up to malaysia and and this. but what is the what is the value proposition for having such a powerful car in a place where it's really quite difficult to actually use it the way it was meant to be driven what what do your customers see in these cars that they love so much and are willing to spend millions of dollars on for them
2: yeah i mean it's, it's very much a you know it's a, a very much a personal choice thing and you know many of our customers have many more than one car even in a place like singapore where you know car ownership is far from uh, uh you know um, an entry level in terms of global costs sure. yeah so um it, for for me, it's the occasional use when they've got an opportunity to use it, you know. Um, and the, you know, the, the, they love the core DNA of the of the brand, which is you know all about lightweight racing, and 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 they love that 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 you know engagement and and the thing that Neil didn't like this morning, you know, the noise when he was in in a, in a super sports car. <laughs> you know, they love that. Some people don't like it. Some people do like it. And yeah. uh, so very very clearly, you've got the opportunity. And, and you mentioned it. You know, they, there's a lot of uh, car clubs here. A lot of interest in 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 sports cars, and, uh, and you know we see that following with McLaren as well. So very often we will do driveways to um, circuits where we've got an opportunity to drive on a circuit, mm. and that is across mostly across the causeway. Uh, but every now and again, when Formula One's not in town, we sometimes
0: get a chance to use the pit lane in a sort of enclosed environment. So you know there are opportunities here, but it's, yeah. it's rare. And yeah. that's the thing, isn't it, Paul? I think sometimes it's overlooked here. There's a vibrant car culture. Uh, sports car culture that goes back pre-independence mm-hmm. uh, there used to be tracks set up improvised tracks around east coast before the Singapore Grand Prix as we have it today there were variations of Grand Prix of such that in, in, in Timah, they have the Grand Prix circuit that so, go, much, yeah. go back almost 50 years so yeah. there is a long deeply entrenched sports car culture here in mm-hmm. Singapore yeah I mean, absolutely, and I think that that
2: very much comes through
0: in in the customer
2: basis here mm. you know I would say for every customer we 've got we 've got over one hundred and fifty fans you know people who are interested and love cars, but you know and and, and, and they want to be associated with the brand so it's a very strong position to be in, and uh, you know when you see a McLaren, it's that heart-stopping moment, isn't it? You know what? What was that? You know what was that noise? You know what, what did that look like? You know it's it, it's rare mm.
1: and it's uh, it, it's eye-catching. Mm. Let's talk, Paul, about the the move into hybrids for McLaren. It's the Art- Artura, is that correct? Artura, yes. Artura, that mm-hmm. is the hybrid car. Tell us about that. How does that uh, obviously? Uh, it's it's different from the normally out. Uh, you know the normal V eight. Tell us a little bit more about that car and, and the kind of uh, impact it's making on the McLaren brand. Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, very clearly, um, you know, we, we are
2: influenced by a variety of things going on around the world. I mean, we're very committed to our overall social responsibilities and, you know, we can see the way that the world's moving towards electrification, I think. Hybridization, even for a brand like McLaren, where it's about, you know, the lightweight and, you know, everything for a reason, everything for a purpose. Mm. It was always going to be a challenge for us because, you know, battery technology is not lightweight by any means. Mm. Uh, um, although you do get some, of course, clear saving by taking out an ICE or an uh, internal combustion engine. Um, so. The Artura is our personification of that uh, of that in a, in a sports car. So we, it, everything for a reason. I mean, the hybridization can be used in solo electric mode, in E mode, for example, for up to 20 kil- kilometers. So if you want to go early in the morning, say 4 o'clock in the morning, you don't want to, to, to disturb your neighbors, you're off in E mode. Hmm. And then you have four other modes all the way through to track mode right at the other end within the car. And it works in perfect harmony between the V6 engine. So we've taken two cylinders out and then we've blended the, um, the, the electric motor that's no larger than a dinner plate in the bell housing of the gear between the gearbox and the engine so you've, mm. you've got a slightly mm. shorter engine very very low slung in terms of bringing the weight down as low as possible to to, to keep the uh, the performance and the handling uh, as, as sharp as it possibly can be yeah. and there we've got this this brilliant combination but what it really does for hybridization for us is it it backfills in gear changing so when you're changing through gears in a sports car you get this sort of like drop off in the power because you know you're literally for even if it's for a millisecond as you drop mm. off when you change between gears and what the hybridization in this car does uniquely is it sort of it smooths out that that, that drop off so mm. it's like on off as an electric motor would be so that's that's the way the hybridization really works and brings the benefits that we that, that needs to be you know driven for McLaren but also gives those other benefits that a normal hybrid car would have eg mm. the full electric
0: mode as well fascinating yes. yeah. I mean putting your, your sort of crystal ball hat on if you like where do you see it going that the hybrid electric model and how is it gonna to relate to the sports car industry? You know the the promises that the Singapore government has made to electric vehicles in Singapore and Formula One has also made some commitments to that. How do you see that playing out in the next few years? Um, I, yeah, I, I think the technology at the moment
2: is you know it's not it's not in its infancy, but it's, it's mm. still in its relatively relative youth. I would say uh, I think it has to develop significantly. There's a lot of discussion about you know battery technology mm. and the way it's going. You know, is it is, you know is it dry cell? What is it? Is it lithium based? You know, this rare earth issue with batteries is quite a quite. Well, a there are deal.
0: carbon emissions issues with batteries as well yeah. as you mentioned, where the lithium comes from, how it's mined, and so on. So, so you have to offset that, I think, against you know you know you know how you
2: do it and the whole. The whole principle is, you know, the, the the carbon measured at the exhaust is one measure, but there are other measures around a car as well. You know, where is it made? How is it made? What's the supply chain? You know, how do we treat our employees? You know, there's a whole range of things that go on around the, the whole, whole ESG the, model. Yeah, the whole yeah. thing, and and you know, you've got to be cognizant of all of those all of those factors. Now, Artura for us is the is as I said the personification of that. Now, hybridization is not new to McLaren. 2013, the P1 was the first one that we did, so we were very early into that marketplace but that was very specifically for a sports car capability and then we took that that knowledge and learning and then we made it into sort of we took our own version of that Mm. and made it into the hybridization of where it is where do i see it going um which was your initial question i very clearly see it going um Uh, you know down that route because there's been a long-term commitment the automotive industry has asked governments around the world to make a commitment in one direction or not and not keep changing direction which is a fair point yeah because for us it's a long-term engineered solution you know to bring a car to market is is between five and seven years you know it's a long-term thing for us to do and it's a significant investment so we need to be very clear about what direction we're going in so i think hybridization is a journey towards towards electrification for McLaren, I think we are in a position whereby we're trying to find the best way that meets the McLaren DNA. Everything for a purpose, super lightweight, doesn't in, doesn't impinge on the overall performance of the vehicle. Mm. And uh, we're not quite there yet. We think Artura is a very, very good, uh, you know, interpretation of what that could be for us. Um, but very much, you know, our client base, as it stands at the moment, they love. Mm. That, you know that they love their v8s and they and they love their yeah. v6s
1: paul has has mclaren come out with any kind of a, a mission statement or a, a forward look like you know by 2040 we want to have one electric car in the stable uh not necessarily getting rid of the of the uh the petrol cars is, is there any have there been any statements like that from the company
2: uh no no not really i mean that was for us that would be a bit of a me too type statement because it's been made by a number of people yeah. i think i think that we, you know we're in the evaluation phase of where that would be and it's a combination because for us we have a platform decision to make as well about you know what platform do we build would we build electrification in and yeah. all of those decisions haven't been made yet or even properly evaluated yeah so we're very much open to many things and we, because of the nature of the way we do things and we're a relatively small organization we can do things quite quickly mm. um so we have speed on our side um so i mean some people have made those statements they're actually quite long Uh, you know in terms of a long time frame in terms of where where they are our first statement is in terms of production hybridization is of course clearly Artura Mm -hmm. and then we take it you know step at a time
0: from thereafter in terms of what we do but I think hybridization will be you know with us for quite some time. (laughs) Yeah, but I have to say, Paul, you made a great point there that I hadn't thought about myself. You know, often we look at the car industry itself when it comes to carbon emissions. You need to do this. You need to do that. But actually, you're right. It's the international inconsistent messaging from governments. On the one hand, they're doing that whole me too. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. But then they don't, do they? There is no firm commitments. I could name the countries, but we know who they are. It must be very exasperating almost for the car industry when you say, right, you want us to go this way. But there's no consistent messaging or policymaking internationally, globally, whatever, when it comes to this issue. Yeah, I mean, uh, th- that's one of many. There are many other ones. Safety is another one. You
2: know, mm. there are various, various forms. There's no internationalized standard necessarily. There's a European, there's an American, and there's a Chinese sort of like, you know, subvariant of them. Um, for us as, a, as a, a small engineering company, really, it's probably our biggest cost. Our biggest cost
0: is meeting the requirements of the multiple yeah. markets and how variable they are. Mm. Fascinating fascinating. And as you say, you're you're in the inge- engineering business, so you've got to commit five, seven, ten years ahead, but you need to know that what you're going to build at the end of it is going to fit all this criteria. Correct. Yeah. So you need you
2: need to maintain, you know, dexterity and flexibility. Yeah. And, you know, with the F1 team around us, that's, you know, in their nature. You know, they're dealing with change all the time. If it rains tonight, for example, and they've been practicing, you know, in the dry yesterday, they've got to do change quickly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're very, very adept at dealing yeah. with change.
1: So speaking of F1 weekend, what's on store, uh, what's on tap for McLaren this weekend. I assume you'll be down at the track hanging out. What, uh, what are you looking forward to from F1 weekend? Yeah, I mean, I mean, no, I mean, I know you. They didn't have. They haven't asked you to drive
2: this weekend for a change. But
1: uh, <laughs> if you stood me and Mr.
2: Humphreys back to back, we're not too dissimilar. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and 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 you know, I don't quite meet the the weight criteria. I, I actually think I'm actually the, the weight of two. What about two, your tire two, changing? How <laughs> fast are you there? I'm, I'm okay at that. That's okay, no, yeah. you know, that's that's no problem. I mean, I mean, for us, this is. Uh, for me, it's a very unique race. Singapore, you know, a night race, mm. uh, a race yeah. that's in this climate where it's you know consistently hot it's very many things are challenging for for uh, for uh, racing car teams um so the f1 team are here uh, i know that they love it they love the turns they love the dynamism of it um, lando was very vocal about about you know about his opportunity uh, your yeah, driver yep. yeah lando norris mm-hmm. yeah. and then of course we've got oscar and oscar's you know an australian so you know it's, he's he's you know new to the team so it's, we're going for a very exciting development phase in, you know in in the mclaren um, f1 team Fabulous.
1: Well, Paul, we do have to leave it there with you. But thanks for coming in and talking to us about the new 750S and the the hybrid Arturo. It's uh, fascinating days ahead, I think, for the brand. Thank you.
0: And they do win best Formula One driver's name. Lando Norris is hand down the greatest (laughs) name in Formula One.
1: (laughs) I'll tell him for you now. It's
0: great. Thanks for being with us. Come back again. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg.